Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And then thirdly, I believe God wants us to, enc- to encourage us to arise in His divine purpose for our lives as we serve God. These three things are vital as we come through this weekend. So last night we looked at the power of the gospel and the call of God. Today uh, I want to emphasize, uh, we will look at the duty that we have to one another. You are not called to function uh, and serve God in isolation. We looked at that last night. God doesn't call you to isolation. God calls you to relationship. Hallelujah. And we said last night that we need each other. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe we will value in a new way the position that God has taken us, uh, that we have taken up in the Lord. And I believe that we will receive a fresh touch from the Lord and encourage each other as we continue to serve. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am meant to be an encouragement to you. So here we are in Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to read the first 14 verses together. Open your Bible and let's concentrate on what God is saying. The Bible here says, Keep loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, But we are looking for the city that is to come. Isn't that an amazing piece of scripture? The writer, first of all, tells us to keep on loving each other as brothers. Let brotherly and sisterly love always 
be with you. You know, friends, if the church is going to arise to be all that God has called it to be, we need this type of love flowing in the body of the Lord. The interesting thing about it is God doesn't use the word agape love here, but He uses the word Philadelphia which is actually referring to the brotherly love that we have that flows between us one to another. And we certainly need to see the love of God and the love we have for each other intensifying in the body of Christ. You know, God has planted filial love in your heart, but there is no doubt about it that you and I have the responsibility to maintain that love and keep that love flowing. How we react, how we respond will determine whether that love is flowing freely one to the other. Now, this love is present, but it isn't present just because we just happen to get on well and like each other. Let me just point out to you, you will be close to some people in church life and you might not be as close to others in church life. That's perfectly fine. There is sometimes a natural connection. We gravitate to certain people. We don't necessarily gravitate to absolutely everybody. And as the church grows, we will find that we are closer to some and not so close to others. That should not destroy the love of brothers and sisters that we have together. And so we can grow in this love, confident and knowing that yes, we will be closer to some than we will to others. But we have a response responsibility to maintain this brotherly and sisterly love in our heart. That love is there because we share a common Father and Savior. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, we've got the same Savior, we've got the same Father. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That, that's such a deep connection. That's a spiritual connection. That, that means that you and I are joined together. You know, there is something that happens in, in the heart of someone who is not, knowing, uh, not known a good earthly family background. When they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, a miracle happens for that person because suddenly they find themselves surrounded by the greatest family they could ever have. Hallelujah. And I've personally watched Watch those, you know, uh, boys and girls, uh, teenagers and early 20s who have who, who've never really knowing the, known the love of a father and a mother in a home, perhaps like you have experienced. But they suddenly find the Lord and, and they're amazed at the overwhelming love that comes because of being part of the family of God. And this is the brotherly love that not only agape love, the love of God, but also care and, and brotherly love that we must have for each other. And then, of course, we share the same spirit and are united, bound together in salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, whether you like it or not, you've got the same spirit as me. <laughs> yes. And it is that spirit. It is the spirit of the Lord that connects us. 
It, it is the Holy Ghost that connects us and uh, we are bound together. Hallelujah. We are linked uh, uh, and so close. And if we could only just have a glimpse into the spiritual realm, you would see just how connected you really are to the people that are sitting around you because we form one body. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful that we are bound together because we have the same Father and the same Savior. And we are bound together because we share the same Spirit and we have salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Now sometimes, let me share this with you, sometimes because of what we go through in church life, that love can be affected. Sometimes because of what we face in church life, because I don't know if you've noticed this, church life isn't always as smooth as we would like it to be. But if we are carrying this level of love for one another, love covers over a multitude of sins. And that word there, it doesn't mean that we expose, you know, we're willing to expose sin in others' lives. No, Lord, we, we need to be looking at ourselves. But it does mean that you know, we will cover over someone's faults and failings, someone's weaknesses, someone who doesn't quite measure up to how we think they should be. Our love for each other will ride that through and we will come out the other side of whatever we're walking through or we're meant to come out the other side of whatever we're walking through, mature and in deeper relationship together. And then sometimes what we go through in our own life can threaten this type of love. Uh, and that's sometimes because the church might not quite measure up to how you thought it ought to respond to your need or how you thought church should handle whatever you're going through. Uh, please turn to your neighbor and say, pastors and leaders and church people don't get everything perfect. Uh, and it's, it's absolutely right. You know, for some reason in the congregation, we expect our pastors and leaders to walk on holy ground with absolute perfection and never make a mistake. Let me burst the bubble. We're normal. Uh, and we don't quite get everything absolutely right. And when we don't get it right, can I just say, one of the greatest reasons why this church could break the barriers of growth and come through all into a, a different level would be because the people have matured. And not only when the people fail, they will allow their hearts to be reunited and connected to one another, but also when pastors and leaders and elders and others fail, uh, not quite measuring up to how we thought we, they should should be forgiveness and mercy will hold you in the house of the Lord and keep you connected in a way that means you don't do a runner hallelujah turn to your neighbor and say this is a great church to be in hallelujah <laughs> and I've been coming long enough to this place to be able to stand on the platform and say that with confidence because I know this house so listen we need to protect this level of love that is there between us. You know, the early church was under threat. The early church was under threat from within, and the early church was under threat from without. From within, it was under threat from false doctrine, and from without, it was under threat from persecution. And for many, many years, we have been under threat from false doctrine, that and error, and all these things. That is just an ongoing enemy of the, of the church. 
But the day, and I said it on Saturday to the guys, I believe the day has come when we are beginning to see the initial evidence that we might go through some years of persecution because we are the body of the Lord. But we will be strong in the Lord, full of courage, and we will complete what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, God gives you the grace at the time. So we don't have fear as I spoke to the men, we continue in the courage of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if uh, we go through a period in time like that, friends, we must have grown in love for each other. In a time like that, when the church was facing what she was facing, in the time when the writer wrote to the Hebrews, the love of God flowing in the church was absolutely crucial to keep it together but also the love that we should have for one another was just as crucial to keep the church together. And so we need to be in a fellowship filled with the love of God. Now, whatever you're going through, continue to love each other. That'll help you keep things right. You know, there's nothing like the exhibit of the nature of God in someone to keep us walking in right relationship together. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm less impressed with things that I used to be impressed with. And I'm more impressed with character and nature that flows in someone's life. And I believe there can be another level here where we say that, yes, people themselves won't necessarily measure up to what I think they should be. And if we're not careful, if we only love the people that are measuring up to what we think they should be, we won't build church in the way that God wants it to be built. We will build an elite group of people around ourselves that we associate with and we will put the parameters there. And that's as broad and as wide as it will be. So turn to your neighbor and say, we need to love the unlovable. And so, friends, our love must take us beyond the limitation of our natural feelings and reactions. This type of love will enable you to forgive when you wouldn't ordinarily forgive. Let me pause there. Because sometimes the damage that we've allowed to happen in our hearts and minds because of unforgiveness, you can carry that for years. And it can have destroyed relationships and friendship that God meant for you to protect. In my own family, I discovered, I, I had no idea about it. I'm talking about the relationship between uh, uh, one of my uncles and, and one of my cousins. We were in a big family doom. We were all staying in a beautiful hotel. And there was somebody not present, somebody missing. And I went and asked, I, I, my cousin wasn't there. I said, well, where's so-and-so? Or they won't be here because so-and-so is here. How awful is that? If they could only be brought together. And in the mercy and the forgiveness of God. Can I just say they're not born again? <laughs> but if mercy and grace and forgiveness would touch each other, 
How wonderful to see restoration. And that's when the kingdom of God breaks through, isn't it? When we operate at a level that isn't naturally how we would be. But thanks be to God, we can forgive. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can forgive anybody. And then it enables us to sacrifice and put others before ourselves. I, I think we have a real danger in the church in these days. I, I, I believe that one of the things that we must guard against is selfishness just flowing in the body because it just seems to be uh, people want to come along to meetings as long as they get what they want to get and receive what they want to receive. And I think we need to retrace our steps on this and come to the house of the Lord with a different mindset. I need to come ready to bless someone, ready to invest in somebody else, ready to sacrifice, ready to give, ready to, to serve, ready to take up the towel and wash somebody's feet. I need to forget myself the moment that I walk through the door, concentrate on Jesus and ask God to flow through me. Uh, and you need to be ready when you come to the house of the Lord so that there is real selflessness flowing in your spirit. Uh, and we need grace and, and mercy and love to flow. Uh, this type of love to flow in the body of the Lord Jesus. And then I also believe that this type of love will produce loyalty and faithfulness to each other. Hallelujah. Can I just say this to you? In a time of persecution, what seems to happen is you discover who is real uh, who is genuinely born again, and you discover uh, who is faithful and loyal to you. Uh, and we need this in the church. We need to be committed to one another, where if you heard something said about somebody's life, uh, uh, you know, in a time of persecution, an accusation or something that was false in order to bring that person under condemnation, then listen, friend, you should know in your spirit, no, that's not right. And you would know in your heart that they are, have been loyal and faithful to you and you have been loyal and faithful to them. So we need to keep loving each other. Secondly, we need to keep compassionate. It is so easy for us to go extreme in certain areas of the message we preach and compassion will always keep us tender. Hallelujah. When we're extreme in faith, the thing that will balance us is compassion. You say, how can you be extreme in faith, Pastor Paul? Well, what I'm talking about is this. I was looking at it last night partly. Extreme bombastic faith will tell the person that you are sick because of sin in your life and will come down hard and harsh upon them. But compassion will walk with them through what they go through until they receive their miracle. And we need to be those type of people. So friends, the early church again is an incredible example. They were uh, prone to experience harsh treatment at times uh, because there were those in a time of persecution who were not perhaps as strong as others might be and therefore they were viewed as weak. How they were reacting to those people who were not as strong as they ought to be was very, very difficult for those who were weak among them. And so they needed to be encouraged and they needed to be loved and they needed to be, needed to be enriched by the friendship and the companionship and the support of the body of Christ. Not condemned and almost stoned with accusation, 
but loved through. Because let's face it, friends, sometimes we are weak and sometimes we are strong. Sometimes we need need the support ourselves and other times we are the providers of the support. So we need the body of Jesus to be uh, uh, sympathetic and gentle and aware of our need at a particular time. So there must be love and care and sympathy, compassion and gentleness in the body of the Lord Jesus, as well as strength and authority. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this. Strength and authority are important. But tell them this. Tenderness and graciousness is vital. Hallelujah. We need to be those type of people. And then, if you look at the text, you could pick all these out. The third thing he challenges them with is to keep pure. To keep pure. I believe one of the greatest keys to the anointing of God remaining upon your life is to walk in purity and holiness. That is an absolute must if we are going to be the men and women that God wants us to be. Holiness, purity. And I am not talking about, you know, uh, sort of your own standard that you've created yourself. I'm talking about that which comes through the inner working of the the Word of God. I'm talking about the the work, the deepening work uh, in your life that only the Holy Ghost can produce in you. You see, you can't make yourself holy. Only God can make you holy. But it does say be holy as even as I am holy. So what it means is, yes, we're aware that God has declared us to be holy in His sight. But then we are called and empowered to live it out day by day. And so purity is an absolute must. There are two terms used here in our reading that describe sexual sin. The first one is uh, adultery. The second, sexually immoral. And can I just lay a challenge down from the platform? Because, friends, if there's anything that is going to rob you of walking with Jesus in nearness, uh, aware of his anointing and purity, these are the things that will do that. We need to challenge our own hearts and walk in the purity of God. And I can say from the platform, if there's an area here that you need to handle in your life, do it with action. Do it with determination. Correct what you need to correct. Get walking right with the Lord. And let repentance bring you deliverance. Some people think because I went out to the front and I responded to a prayer line, somebody with a big name prayed for me. But then you think, why haven't I been loosed and set free? I'm still battling with the problem in my heart and in my mind. It may well have not even come to be action, but in your heart and your mind, you know it's there and you're battling with the thing. Listen, repentance is the key to knowing the deliverance from anything like this. Repent of sin. Turn away, turn to God, and God will give you freedom and deliverance in these areas. Can I just say, friends, that it all begins in the home, in a godly home. And a godly home begins with marriage in the will of God. You see, there was real danger in the early church because they had, they, they were, there was a weakness there and they were prone 
to slip back into a sexual lifestyle that was unacceptable in the sight of God. And, and I'd have to say, friends, uh, we don't need, you don't even need me to tell you this. It's obvious with what is going on in our nation at this time. We've got the same problem. And the church cannot adjust its theology to accommodate the immorality. We've got to stand, and having done all, stand. And, and we've got to ask God, Lord, keep us pure, keep us right with you. So here he says, the marriage bed must be kept pure, and the unmarried must refrain from sexual relationships. Let me take it to another level. Keep pure and fill your mind with the wonderful things of God. He will greatly reward you. Let me ask you, when did you last pray a prayer like this? Lord, would you come and even fill my imaginations with the revelation of the Holy Spirit? My dreams, my thoughts at night, would you keep me pure? Would you keep me right? Let me dream the dreams of God rather than the things that I would think in the natural. So keep pure. Oh yes, the Lord can cleanse, the Lord will cleanse, and the Lord will forgive, and the Lord will receive. But let me just say from the platform this morning how much better it is to walk in purity with the Lord. And I want to stand here today and say as a man, only God can keep us there. There but for the grace of God go I. So we don't stand on a high platform condemning. Love doesn't do that. Love will get down in the dust where it is and lift someone up. But nevertheless, for your own life and your own heart today, let me lay down the challenge and say how awesome it is to know the deliverance of the salvation of God. You see, salvation means wholeness. Salvation incorporates the deliverance. And, and there is a cry, I believe, out in the body of Christ in these days because we are failing to see the deliverance of salvation that only God can bring. And because we're maybe not yet seeing at that level, we would say, well, we maybe have to adjust here. And some big names have made some dramatic adjustments. So I stand to say, church, come on. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of praise. This is the house of the Lord. Let's keep loving. Let's keep compassionate, but let's keep pure because God will feel comfortable. That's a great test, isn't it? Is God comfortable in us, around us, walking with us, talking with us? And sometimes we can say, oh yes, that's, that's all right, Pastor, you know, but by grace uh, I've been able to do this and by grace I've been able to do that and by grace I'm doing this and I, I'm calling on the Lord all the time. I'm calling on the Lord. Oh yes, not all who call. 
So there is a call for purity today. And then, well, how important is this, especially today? Keep free from the love of money. There's so much in this chapter, isn't there? <laughs> I was thinking, how can I preach this? Keep free from the love of money. There was a missionary couple serving the Lord in a very uh, difficult climate, just gone on a mission trip and they turned up with lots of gifts and they were giving out blankets and caring for the people and they came alongside this little lady and said, there we are, just be assured that in the West we are really praying for you. And this little lady said, oh thank you, thank you very much, but you need prayer more than I do. <laughs> and they said, well what do you mean? Well, you see, you've got everything that you need. Isn't it true that when we've got everything we need, we choose to depend upon what we have rather than God? I think you would be aware as well as I am aware that that verse I'm constantly speaking at the moment, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? <laughs> It's all going down. <laughs> Isn't it marvelous just to sort of be aware that whatever happens, God's in total control. I said to my precious friend, friend Rob, we, we banter all the time. I don't know how he puts up with it when we come over here, really. If you're to, I think beforehand, Lorna gives him a crash helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he can give as much back, you know. He really does. <laughs> what we were saying, you know, about wealth. Wealthy man asked, how much more does a wealthy man need to satisfy his soul? Reply was, just another million. And there's an amazing text that Luke wrote, 12, verse 15. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You can see the difference between those who are blessed and they constantly give in and those who've been blessed and they're constantly hoarding. <laughs> you can see the difference. Wonderful to rub shoulders with people like my brother Rob. Lorna, the way that they serve us, I, I'm so moved. Sometimes it takes a guest to come into a church and lay down a challenge with regards to finances that a local pastor can't do in the same way. Let me ask you directly, are you tithing properly? If you're not, why not? 
If you're not, it's a command of God. The sooner you start. I can say it because we're miles away from home. But my treasurer came up to me and I was proud of the statement. And he said, we could do with a few more in this church like your son, Paul. And do you know, I went home and told my wife. Thank God. Anybody that's really moved in the heart will also be moved in the wallet. And honor God. Don't take your seed and use it for yourself. Plant it in the house of the Lord. Bless this house of God. And as I speak these words, I remind you that God's promise to you is He will open the windows of heaven upon your life and prosper you, protect you, and no sickness or disease will come near to your house. That's the word of the Lord. I'm off that bit now, done. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't let possessions own you. Isn't it amazing that actually if you read it in context, it's in the context of communication of the love of money that God then says, I will never leave you <laughs> and I will never forsake you. It's there straight after. And when I read it, I thought, "Woo, <laughs> that's significant. And in the same context, he says, we should never be afraid. Not only does he say he will remove fear, but he will ensure we need never be afraid. <laughs> then number five he says, keep faithful. Hallelujah. Someone who is walking with God will truly be loyal and faithful. Committed to those whom God has placed over them as leaders in the house of the Lord. Let me say this to you. Never let anything be planted in your mind. A negative seed concerning a pastor or a leader or someone who has been serving in the house of the Lord. Refuse that. Because if you accept that, it can damage you and affect the way that you receive from that person. And the great harm can be done by that. So don't let it happen. And with regards to leadership here, I love this because it actually says here, remember your leaders who spoke the Word of God to you. Remember them, he says. Remember them. Well, that could be because he wants you to pray for them. But actually, it is probably likely that some of them had gone to glory in the persecution. So remember them. Don't pray for them. They don't need prayer. If they've gone. But remember them. And I don't know about you, but I can look over my life and I can remember 
godly men and women who had an amazing impact upon my life, and I thank God for them. And then also, I believe, friend, maybe you can just remember your pastor and leaders today in a special way. Pray for them this afternoon, blessing them, love and support. So refuse any wrong seed in your heart and mind, and God will enable you to keep receiving in a wonderful way from the leaders who are among you. And then keep sound. You remember I said there there was a threat from without and a threat from within. And from within it was error. Let me say this to you. God never changes His mind. Neither does God change His view. His Word stands forever. And of course, in New Testament days, the believers were being influenced by Judaistic practices. They were going back to include ceremonial things and things that they used to do in their old faith. They were mingling it all together and bringing out uh, a gospel that was no gospel at all. That's why Paul said what he said, that, that there is no other gospel. And then he adds a wonderful dimension. And if you look at it with me, you will see it's so beautiful. He says in verse 10, We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. We're talking about the change that came because we are the other side of the cross. This side of the cross. You know, right now, we are in the presence of the Lord. We're in the Holy of Holies. It's not wonderful. The Lord is here. This is His house. This place belongs to Him. We're not talking about the bricks of mortar. This is his house, built with living stones. Because we have the same Father, the same Savior, and the same Spirit. How wonderful. How important it is that we keep right together. We minister in a new day. A new period of time. Those who ministered at the tabernacle had no right to be where you are. What a privilege. Value it, friend. Value it. How wonderful. We stand in the throne room today, covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your healing, for your deliverance, your restoration. We could go on all day. How amazing it is to be together. And thank God we no longer look for an earthly city. We look for a heavenly city.
Hallelujah. Oh, we can see all that is happening around the world. But our eyes are on Jesus. We keep him in view. Until he comes, this is his house. Keep loving. Keep compassionate. Keep pure. Keep free from the love of money. Keep faithful. And keep sound on the word of God. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ikea kiasta kiantium pusi parasto vedera. Lagandando ora ostie moa. Kayansium fientiusi alasta. Mahastike yasua. I'm not far from you, my children. Closer to you than you could ever imagine. But so many are unaware of my presence. Unaware of my glory. But the day will come when my people will run to my house. Gather together for safety. Gather together in my name with one spirit and one desire to be the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, my son. Understand this, whilst all around you will crumble, kingdoms will fall and thrones will fall. But my word endures forever. I will establish my kingdom. And my son will come from the glory of my presence. For a church that is prepared, spotless and pure. And this morning I believe the father would say. I don't want your empty song. I want your heart. I don't want the noise you've crafted and prepared. I want your heart. Over these coming days, I am going to bring a purity in my church. And the way I will move will not be the way you think I should. And 
and my glory shall be seen over all the earth. And the church shall be prepared, dressed and adorned. And so give me your heart. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Now, Lord, walk with us this afternoon. And as we come tonight, Lord, move miraculously among us. In Jesus' name, amen.